You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. It's your boy MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke here with another edition of Saved and Woke Afterthoughts, where Christ and consciousness go hand in hand. Now, before we get into the show today, I want to encourage you all to join the Saved and Woke Patreon to support the show and get a shout out. And more than getting a shout out, what you will be doing as a Patreon, you will be directly supporting the show. I'll be able to do things with more support like hire and an editor, uh, which will then free me up to release content regularly, create more varied content, and eventually compensate our guests for their time. And along those same lines, we have recently had a sponsor for the show, and we will hopefully have more sponsors. And when you support our sponsors, you support us. So consider becoming a Patreon member. And when you hear those sponsorships being shared, go ahead and and support them to help us continue what we're doing here at the Saving Woke Podcast and go on to even bigger and better things. Now, with that said, this conversation, this edition of Saving Woke Afterthoughts is pretty special in that I am not alone. I uh, recorded this with our guest from the last show, Chelsea Prevett, because she brought up uh, so much to unpack in our first conversation. And we're gonna spend this, we spent this second conversation talking about one thing in particular that she says she made a comment. She she just kind of dropped it there uh, out of nowhere. It was unexpected. And later on, she told me that she did it on purpose and she knew that it was going to require follow-up. So she kind of set me up for that. But I am not mad at her. I really appreciate, you know, her her boldness for uh, standing up for for what she believes. And um, regardless of whether you believe it or not, and I like I'm still processing what she's shared in our conversation and how and its implications on uh, how I interpret uh, the scriptures. But either way, I think it's a great conversation to be had. So basically what she said was, she made a comment and she said, well, yeah, you know, the Bible is a patriarchal text. And that was, she kind of said it as a side note, even though she knew it was going to be bigger than, I guess, the the moment, like it was a bigger moment than the amount of time that it took up, pretty much. So without further ado, we're going to get into this conversation with Chelsea following up on... Um, the Bible as a patriarchal text or patriarchy in in the Bible. So enjoy. All right, y'all. I'm here once again with a with my good friend, new friend to the podcast, Chelsea Prevet. I'm gonna say it right this time. Chelsea Prevet. <laughs> I said it wrong. Yeah, definitely the first time, but I will not make it again. And so, y'all know by this point, like this is a episode of Afterthoughts, but it's special because I have a guest, which I've, I don't think I've ever done before. And the reason that is, is because in our last conversation, Chelsea and I, we were talking, we were going back and forth, we were vibing. I was nodding my head to everything she was saying. I was, you know, if you were listening, you couldn't see this, but I was making comments and Chelsea was snapping and I was like, yes. And then Chelsea said something. She was making a larger point and then she said, made this little side caveat. Uh, and uh, I will, if I can, if I can find that clip, I'll I'll play it here for you now. But if I can't, I'll also just say, she was like, yeah, you know, cause the Bible is a patriarchal text. So, and then she kept on going and I was just like, uh, sure. All right, Chelsea, great. And when she like, when she said that, well, I'll say it like this. So usually I, I, I decide what I'm going to cover in afterthoughts based off of like me listening to the episode recording after the fact, 
like, okay, you know what? I feel like people might, you know, misunderstand this, or I probably could have explained this more or whatever. But like in that moment, I was like, oh, we're going to have to come back <laughs> to that. I was like, even if I don't even get a, even if we can't do another episode, I'm going to have to ask Chelsea, wait, so what did you mean by that? And so that's why Chelsea's here. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I'm just going to start. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let me see where, 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 where to start. Uh, can I ask oh, you I, a question? Go ahead. You can ask me the question first. What was your reaction to what I said? Like, how, how did you interpret what I said when I said the Bible is a patriarchal text? I didn't know how to interpret it. <laughs> because I, like, I mean, one thing that I like about myself, I guess I learned how to do in college, you know, thinking critically is like mm -hmm. just learning how to not know what to think about something or not having a conclusion about something that I said and just being able to put that to the side for the sake of continuing the conversation and not, you know, having a just mental meltdown trying to, <laughs> you know, talk to somebody. So, yeah, you said it and I was like, huh. Well, because the way my mind thinks is like, if you say something new, I'm like, okay, well, if you say that, then in my mind, you know, patriarchy means this. And so if you're saying that about the Bible, then what about this? And what about this? And all these other things. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of the same way, because we, we talked in our conversation about, you know, our uh, journey into and out of prosperity gospel and it's like well wow if this if this means this and that means if this is wrong or this is not true mm -hmm. or this was you know faulty then what is what does all these other things mean and so that's what i guess that was my reaction i was like wait if she is using patriarchy or patriarchal in, in the way that i in the way that i think it would be used and it's ha it has the implications that i think it might have then there's <clears throat> a lot to be it begs more conversation yes so and I knew that it begged more conversation when I said it yes. because like you said I was making a larger point and I wanted to I did I answered <laughs> I inserted that comment as an aside just to make people think but I guess first I should read the definition of patriarchy, just to make well, sure uh, everybody's on. Uh, no, I'm going too fast. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Hold on. Okay. So I want to, so I told you my reaction. I also want to yeah. explain why I had that reaction. Okay. Because I mean, you know, maybe my, maybe some of my listeners are ahead of me. They're like, Juan, what's the problem? <laughs> okay. You're wasting, you're wasting a whole episode on this concept that you should already have Mr. Saved and Woke. I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt your listeners. I, 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 I do too. I do too, but you know, anything's possible. So the reason I had that reaction is because I'm like, wait, patriarchy bad, Bible good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you're using, if you're saying the Bible is a patriarchal text and I'm like, okay, then what are the, what is the implications of that on how you interpret scripture, um, and what and what is scripture to you? Because mm -hmm. to some people, you know, the Bible is definitely. I mean, not not to some. Like the Bible is is a historical book. Like so, you can you can read you can read the Bible to learn about history. The Bible is definitely. Um, a source of narrative of poetry ancient poetry and for some people for a lot of people it is a holy text mm -hmm. it is the word of god and that's what i believe that's what i believe the bible to be. I, I do believe that the bible is the word of god and i <clears throat> i know that the bible the words on the paper written by men I do believe that those men were inspired by either, either they were inspired by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit just used what they were writing uh, in, his, in, in, in God's infinite knowledge and wisdom to accomplish what he knew he was going to use those writings to accomplish. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so when you say the Bible is patriarchal, I was like, (laughs) so if you're saying the Bible is patriarchal, which is, you know, like something that like patriarchy, especially like, well, yeah, patriarchy, not good. Like I already said, Mm -hmm. So how can we say this about, about the Bible? And And also I'm like, yo, if somebody, how would someone, I can understand if a non-believer was like, man, why would you believe in the Bible? Bible, the Bible's got the same, it's a patriarchal text. And so it's, you know, why, why would you, you know, want to, why would you follow something that's patriarchal? Because it's got the same issues in it that, you know, is endemic to the rest of society. And so you said that the Bible is a patriarchal text, but you still are a Christian. You're still a believer. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, so I guess that's almost like two questions. So like, what do you mean by the Bible is a patriarchal text? And after you explain that, I'm sure I'm probably going to have like 50 other aside questions. But after that, the second main question is why then, if you have this understanding, are do you still profess to be a Christian or believer or follower? Mm-hmm. So... When I say the Bible is a patriarchal text, I mean that the Bible was written by men (laughs) and it is written from a male perspective. I believe that everything that we do, even when inspired by God is filtered through our identities and our experiences. And so when I say that the Bible is a patriarchal text, I'm referring to the fact that it is written by men. It is written by men who are part of a patriarchal society, um, which I'm gonna go ahead and read that definition. So we're all on the same page because I think the other thing about using the word patriarchy or patriarchal is that I, I don't think we're all on the same page about what that is. So I don't think we're on the same page about anything. Like there's so much, (laughs) I'm so surprised. You're right. Like there's stuff there's, I've learned about, I've heard there's stuff that I thought everybody was just like in agreement on in terms of Uh sometimes it would be like something scriptural or something like about religion or something just about, you know, society and history. I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. so we don't all agree on this. So yes, yeah. I've definitely had those moments. So I'm going to read what Merriam-Webster says. Go ahead. Merriam-Webster says patriarchy is social organization marked by the supremacy of the father and the clan or family, the legal dependence of wives and children, and the reckoning of descent and inheritance in the male line, broadly controlled by men of a disproportionately large share of power. Okay, so I think that in the Christian world, I think that there are those who believe in the patriarchy because they are very adept at using the Bible to support patriarchal views. And I believe that there are those Christians who are quote unquote woke, who um, who want to empower women, I'll say it like that. Within the group of woke Christians, I believe that those, that there are those who are like smash the patriarchy. <laughs> and I believe that there are those who um, who adhere to what Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie in her feminist manifesto, she says, beware of fe- feminism light. And that's what I think of when I think of most Christians that I interact with on this, um, on this topic. And I think even, even those who say patriarchy bad, might cringe a little when I say feminism, right? Or cringe at the thought of calling themselves a feminist. And so I think those are intention for a lot of people because there are still 
lines that people won't cross when it comes to empowering women. So on the one hand, you have Christians who are, um, who self-identify as being complementarian, hence patriarchal, right? And then there are- and By complementarian, other- you mean like women who are complicit with patriarchy or like cool with it? So com- I guess I should define that term too. So complementarian is a term, um, is a, I guess it's a theological term that describes people who believe um, that based on the Bible, men hold, should hold certain roles and women should hold certain roles. And so that's the root word complementary, but men are the only ones who can hold um, leadership roles and women are, are limited in what, um, in what roles they are able to enact. Oh yeah. And just for, so I just Googled it real quickly. So complementarianism is a theological view in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam that men and women have different but complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership. The word complementary and its cognates are currently used to denote this view. And that I Googled, like I said, I Googled it and it was the first thing that popped up. From yeah, that's perfect. Yes, that is what complementarian is. And it is also patriarchal because the male has the dominant role in that view. Um, the opposite of that is called egalitarian, which is, I see you Google it, <laughs> which is basically the belief that men and women are equal in God's sight and can, can fulfill whatever role God has for them, regardless of what the cultural gender norms are, mm-hmm. right? So what I see a lot of is things like women can preach, but they can't pastor. Or women can lead the women's fellowship, but they can't lead the, the, the co-ed ministries. Uh or even in terms of hospitality women can serve the food but they can't set up the chairs right Mm -hmm. (laughs) because all of this stemming from and I hear this this verse quoted more often than I would like the woman is the weaker vessel right Mm -hmm. taken completely out of context but that's that's the term and or the the scripture that's used to support these patriarchal views and so going back to your original question the bible is a patriarchal text written by men from a male-dominated perspective in a patriarchal society where women aren't even counted right in numbers and and it's used to support these patriarchal views <laughs> in the church. Um, and so it sounds really well-founded on the surface level because um, when you think about the Old Testament, right? Like you hear about all of the kings and even not even the way the Bible is written, not only that, but also the way the Bible is taught, right? We hear about all of the kings, we hear about all of the men, but it wasn't until an adult that I learned about Deborah or I learned how to read um, read scripture for what it is, right? Because, and this gets to the deeper question of what is the Bible and how do you read the Bible? And, and let me make very clear that I do believe the Bible is a sacred text. I believe that it is inspired by God. I wanna be clear about that. But I also want to be clear about the fact that um, in order to read the Bible faithfully requires a critical perspective because we are so far removed 
socially, historically, geographically for us in the US, um, politically from what the original context was that we have to do some digging to really understand, <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't just read the Bible and get everything that's, that's in there to get. And so, um, and so it, it takes that critical reading because the Bible is a patriarchal, patriarchal text, it takes that critical reading to get the female perspective from the Bible. Like it's not a given, right? So I'm gonna go ahead and let you comment because <laughs> how do you get it? So <clears throat> you have to be intentional and believe that women in the Bible have something to say, have something to share, um, that the stories of women are as theologically rich as the stories of men are. And, um, and it takes women preachers, right, to really, to really bring forth that perspective. So, for example, this summer, I, um, I was reading the book of Esther, because I was like, I feel like I can learn a lot about Esther in this season, because, you know, she spoke truth to power. And I feel like, you know, that's what I'm trying to do right now, like in my profession. So I'm gonna read the book of Esther. So Esther, growing up, I always heard about Esther as, um, you know, she was so special because she was chosen by the king and like, like the preparation going into the king's court. And it's like really like romantic and, you know, like this love romance story. It wasn't until this summer reading it as an adult and reading it like with that critical perspective, putting everything into context where I started reading and in the first chapter, I was like, this is a story about sex trafficking. Right. <laughs> that was not where I was expecting this to go. But, but if you read it, <laughs> like as a grown woman reading that story, like he sex trafficked all of those women and tried all of them out to see which one he liked the best to mm. choose her to be queen, right? That changes the whole story for me, right? Like. Wow, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so I, I, before, I'm gonna let you pause right there because I, I had my first, I guess, introduction to what, think was framed as like a womanist interpretation mm -hmm. of a bible <laughs> and again it was it was women and yeah that's what women, i'm talking about black, <laughs> black women mm -hmm. and they were talking about abraham right and so this is this is what this is how the story of you know abraham having like ishmael and isaac is taught to me Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't planning on saying this. So if so the listeners, if it sounds too, and viewers, if it sounds a little too reductionist, my bad. I was not planning on going over this. So basically, Abraham, boom, here's a, his, uh, here's God and says, I am going to give you a son. He's going to be, he's the, he's the chosen son. The son that I give you is the chosen one. It don't matter how old and shriveled up you are. I got you out here. Sarah is like, ah, we both old. So how about you take my handmaiden and you have a daughter with her. And then Abraham, he, um, he does that. He listens to Sarah and, you know, doesn't, it doesn't turn out how he, how they wanted to eventually God comes through and Abraham does, um, father, uh, a son with with Sarah. All right. That's basically how I was taught the story. Mm -hmm. This is how this teacher said the story. So Abraham gets promised the son. And, you know, actually the beginning is pretty much the same. Like Abraham's promised son by God. They get impatient. Sarah says, Hey, take my handmaiden. And then 
Abraham is like, yes. And so he rapes Haggai. And I was like, what? what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were like, because that's what happened. And she said, because that's what happened. And I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, it took me back one, because obviously I was, I was just from just the shock of hearing it that, you know, explained differently than I heard in my whole life. But then when I thought about it, I was like, I mean, well, I mean, I can't really say she's wrong. Because I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's presented in a way, like in the Bible, it said he went into Haggai, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from that moment on, I was like, I was reading, like uh, Monique right now, she's reading Genesis, which has a lot of examples of assault. Mm-hmm. And it was another example of, I was talking about how, how uh, Reuben, um, it said, I think it said Reuben, Reuben had sex with one of Jacob's concubines. And then I was like, wait, 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 wait. So, cause it doesn't make sense. Like I had always taught it like, oh, he just had sex with her. I was like, I was like, dang man. I was like, Reuben and the concubines, they just out here so ready to fornicate with each other. I'm like, look, like if these people, like if, if Bill, was, you know, one of, and this, and, and now like this conversation, I was like, wait, so was Bill, like a sex slave? So not only was she a sex slave to Jacob, then she was a sex slave to Jacob and then was raped by his oldest son. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm just like, okay, so it's just a different way of reading, mm-hmm. reading the Bible. And is, is this like that, that feminist context or, the, or, uh, or womanist, womanist perspective yes. that you are uh, referring to? Yeah, because if we really believe that we are all made in the image of God, right, then all of our perspectives matter. And a woman's perspective is one that has largely been left out of biblical interpretation. Mm-hmm. Got you. Okay, so I think you've cleared up one thing. I guess my main concern is like, well, if the Bible's patriarchal, then the Bible can't possibly be good. Like if you think, I, I was like, well, if you, if some, someone who says that the Bible is patriarchal can't also obviously find value in the Bible and also can't see it as God's word, as a, as a holy text um, that we should, you know, build our lives around. Yeah, I do. <laughs> because okay. when like, and I think of that, verse and I, I looked it up before we talked because I knew it would come up second Timothy 315 all scripture is given by inspiration of God for doctrine reproof correction instruction and righteousness and like you can get all of that out of scripture and I also want to be clear when I say scripture when when you see the word scripture in the Bible it's only in the New Testament it's referring to the Torah right because the New Testament mm-hmm. wasn't written yet and I think that's that's something that we jump over, um, but it's significant. And that's so, and so. So is the New Testament not scripture? I believe that it is also inspired by God. Um, and these are writings that were canonized by um by a particular group of people. So I don't believe that they are the only text inspired by God, right? I think the significance of the New Testament is their proximity to the, um, to the life of Jesus in terms of chronology, geography, and culture. Hmm. So you keep saying things and I'm like, dang, we're going to have to have an afterthoughts for these afterthoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I'm over my shock and, and uh, concern over you, over the, the, your original statement that the Bible is a mm-hmm. patriarchal text. Cause I'm like, okay, I can say, I can, now I can say, yes, the Bible is patriarchal without feeling that like my faith is being shaken or that I am mm-hmm. disavowing Christianity. Uh, and uh, I don't know, like if you didn't listen to the last episode, Chelsea also did say that 
Bible is a patriarchal text. However, she did not see patriarchy in the life and ministry of, of Jesus. Um, and I think she just said that to make me calm down. She probably saw no i i pre-planned that as a part of my aside because it is like you i i think you have to say both right um because you do have these um writings that are patriarchal in perspective um and even the new testament right largely written by paul a man right male-dominated perspective in a male-dominated society um but i think as as christians it is profoundly important to read the old testament in light of the gospel in light of the life and ministry of jesus um because for me, that's how it all makes sense, right? Because there's some stuff in the New Testament, like you said earlier, there are multiple examples of sexual assault and genocide. And like, there are a lot of bad things in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament. And so um, you have to read it from, I have to read it from the lens of the gospel. Um, and... And that's why I can say the Bible is a patriarchal text and still be a Christian and still and still not feel like my faith is not shaken over that. Because um, when you think about Jesus, the way of Jesus with women and how um, how norm shattering that was for his time. Right, people often in these conversations refer to the woman at the well, the Samaritan, the Samarian woman at the well, and how, first of all, Jews and Samarians weren't supposed to be talking. Second of all, a man and a woman weren't supposed to be talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but here's Jesus, a Jewish man approaching a Samarian woman, mm. a Samaritan woman at the well by herself yeah ministering to her and then sending her out to preach the gospel right <laughs> that is facts yeah yeah and the disciples are coming back like what you doing jesus <laughs> like this isn't how we do things but jesus is i think is consistent in that um think about mary and martha the sisters of lazarus where Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was in the kitchen and Martha's like, Jesus, tell Martha to come help me. Like tell her to come do the gender norm things and help me in the kitchen. And Jesus was like, no, Mary has chosen the better way, which by the way, was not normal for a woman to be sitting at the feet of a rabbi. Hmm. But Jesus is, is setting a different norm, right? Yeah, I think, and also going along with that, I'm pretty sure you're probably going to mention this, but it was also pretty groundbreaking for me when I realized when I was reading the Bible that the first people, so like, I mean, you mentioned the woman at the well who Jesus sent out to basically, you know, proclaim the gospel, but like after Jesus rose, the first people to actually yep. know the gospel were women like yeah. yes the disciples became the apostles and they went out preaching the word to the world right but before that they were all hiding and scared mm -hmm. and the only people who knew that jesus was risen was was mary and martha mm -hmm. and yeah the women went to the tomb it wasn't wasn't two marys i don't know it was two women that's the point um two women because they saw that they saw the angels at the tomb and then they said, go and, you know, mm -hmm. let disciples know. Yep. So like, they had the first people with the gospel after Christ's resurrection was, were two, were, were two women, which I think is, is powerful. Um, so cool. Uh, kind of, so one thing I have a, I'm interested in hearing your opinion on is how, okay. So how does, so you believe, and I agree that all people, mm -hmm 
are made in the image of God and you believe that all perspectives matter and you believe that it requires as particularly as it regards to, you know, the, the womanist perspective, it requires women teachers. There are places in the Bible and like, I'm sure you you knew I was going to mention this because like, we can't have this conversation without talking about first Timothy two and 12, mm-hmm. in which Paul says, I allow no woman to teach or to have authority over men. She is to remain in quietness and keep silence. And I think this is before we talk about this, like this is one of those, one of those scriptures that to this day, I've just been like, you know what? I don't really know what to do with that. And I've heard really strong arguments on both. I've heard really strong arguments for like, yeah, he meant what he said, like women aren't supposed to Mm -hmm. preach and there's no biblical, like you can feel how you want to feel about it but you don't have any sort of biblical backing uh, against that. Mm-hmm. And then I've heard, well, I've, I guess the, the closest I've, I've gotten to like what I think was a strong argument, not necessarily against it, but it's just, but biblical evidence why that is not as clear as people, I guess, try to make it out to be one. Cause like, well, so Paul says this, but then Paul also in other letters will like shout out other women mm-hmm. who were engaged in apostolic work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He'll say, yeah, so-and-so we out here, man. It's all good. Y'all like, Hey y'all, we out here. Shout out to Phoebe. Yeah, hey, Junior. Yeah, right? Phoebe, yeah. Phoebe out here. <laughs> we all here, here, here together right all the daughters like, of philip who were prophets right yeah and so um, it's like so so what so what 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 do we do with that um and i'm I'm interested to hear what what you do with that chelsea yeah um i was just gonna say when you first read it i think that's the same passage where it says um women are the weaker vessel and so the way that i interpret that when you read that passage within the larger context because we have to remember that um that the epistles are letters that's what that means they're letters to a specific group of people and so when i read that passage in context i um my understanding is um in saying that women were the weaker vessel he was stating um a reality that was the result of the socio-cultural norms and not stating a theological truth so if you think about the fact that I'm explaining, I see your face, <laughs> I'm going there. <laughs> so when you think about the fact that women weren't allowed to, um, to sit at the feet of rabbis, that women weren't taught the scriptures like men were, and then you have this new way, this new Christian way where men and women are coming together as equals and you know there's an, another scripture where he says there's no Jew or Gentile no male or female right and yeah. so you have also yeah. that <laughs> and so you have you have men and women coming together um to get into the word of God and the women haven't been taught <laughs> so they're not as learned as the men um and so I imagine there was a lot of questions and a lot of confusion um, surrounding that. And so I believe that that is a statement of um, the product of their time that needed to be addressed. And Paul addressed it by saying, um, women, just be quiet for a while because you need to learn (laughs) Um, because they haven't been taught. That actually makes sense. Uh, so the scripture that you are talking about, where the Bible in the Bible it says the women are the weaker vessel, it's actually in First Peter three and seven. I was okay. going to pull that up. <laughs> so and actually, so I think that that's actually probably like one of the weakest scriptures to use mm-hmm. in defense of you know keeping women out of ministry because it's not talking about ministry at all. 
it's talking about the relationship between husbands and wives. And it says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And so, I mean, that weakness is not saying, oh, it's not, it's not connected or is given as the reason for why women should be excluded from, from teaching or, or leadership in the church in any way. And yeah, I was, I don't have my study Bible with me, but I have the, the ESV study Bible and mm -hmm. I like it a lot. It's what my pastor suggests. I respect my pastor. It's pretty good. You should check him out sometime. Uh, I wasn't talking to you, Chelsea. I'll talk to the listeners. Um, <laughs> um, and one thing that I got from that was uh, uh, Paul is just in referring to women as a weaker vessel, just like talking about just their physical, like in general, women are usually physically weaker. And because of that are often subject to to abuse and oppression often mm -hmm. at the hands of their their husbands and paul was like yeah don't do that i.e patriarchy <laughs> yeah i was like and, I was like, I was like, and as i'm saying it patriarchy yeah they are you know made victims of patriarchy because of their physical weaknesses and, and that was not a reference mm -hmm. to uh intellectual or theological yeah. Theological weakness. Yeah. And I, I just want to say something that I've, I, I, one of my pastor friends, she always says, my theology begins and ends with Jesus. And that's my position. And like, just in the same way that I read the Old Testament scripture through the lens of the gospel, I read the, um, the epistles through the lens of the gospel right um everything for me yes everything centers around jesus's life and ministry for me um and so for me that's if it doesn't line up with what jesus did then <laughs> it's just it's just it's at the very least it's not an essential to me in terms of theology um some things i'm like you know that's your preference. That's not my preference. And Paul talks about that too. Is like on a lot of things, he's like, you do you and let them do them. <laughs> right. I think it's Romans 14 where he's like, all of we have all of these differences, but at the end of the day, Jesus. <laughs> right. And um, is it in Galatians where he's like, I don't want anything to be preached among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified like that is the centrality of the gospel everything else like we can have theological discussions all day but but the main thing is the main thing exactly and he I mean and there are parts in his letters where he's like I'm gonna take this liberty right here. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, but this is what I think. Like he's clear about that in some of his letters, right? Yeah, I remember the first time I noticed it, I was like, wait. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I can't I can't remember where it was, but I'm like, I was like, wait, so Paul, he legit, he legit said, I mean, God didn't tell me this ain't no prophecy or nothing. Right. <laughs> this is right. That's why we have to be cognizant of what the Bible is and what it is not. The Bible did not fall out of the sky directly from the hand of God. And that's that's kind of like the situation I grew up in. It's like I didn't know what the Bible was. I was in college before I talked where before I heard people talking about what the Bible actually is, like what it physically is. Huh. See. You're messing up the whole format of my show because <laughs> we're not afterthoughts aren't supposed to lead to other discussions they're supposed to <laughs> they're supposed to finish them uh close you up tie up always all assume afterthoughts with me <laughs> yeah and you know what because i mean you you were gone for a minute and you know you and i never really talked that much anyway i was just i just like i was like man chelsea 
Chelsea's smart. That's all I knew. I was like, man, Chelsea's smart, like real smart. <laughs> and so, yeah, this was this was really, really helpful, really helpful. So I think it's good to know that, you know, you can look you can look at the Bible with a critical lens and like critical not we're not being critical of the life of Christ, but mm-hmm. critical of who's telling us about mm-hmm. the life of Christ right. and the perspective that they have, the influence um, of society and culture on, on their writing. Uh, I think it's, yeah, there's a lot to be said and a lot to be said for that. And thank you, Chelsea, for graciously, you know, walking me through this. I don't think I'm done. And thank you for walking our listeners and viewers through this as well. Um, yeah, I, I think you just, yeah, it's just some stuff you just got to sit with. Mm-hmm. Do you have any books that you, that you uh, would suggest for people like myself who are yeah. just getting into this and that you think would that either were helpful to you um, in your start? I mean, looking at the Bible with a a womanist lens. Yeah, so I don't have any womanist books specifically that are specifically identified as being womanist off the top of my head um, that I've read. Um, There is a book called Jesus Feminist by Sarah Bessie um, that is super helpful. Jesus Feminist, you said? Yes, Jesus Feminist. It's written to women. It would be helpful for men to read too, but it is um, specifically written for women. Um, Also, I would suggest um, The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper. Um, And that one is not about feminist or womanist perspectives in particularly in particular but it is about um it is about the gospel and about reading the bible through a gospel lens and it's all about reconciliation and she um talks about um like god's perfect plan for reconciliation between us and god between each of us each other as humans in between us and the earth. And there's a chapter in there about reconciliation between genders. That's really good. Um, and the last thing I'll suggest is a, um, there is a lecture series on Audible. It's on the New Testament and it's by Dr. Bart D. Ehrman. He's a um, New Testament scholar who is actually on faculty at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, but that it's a really good lecture series um, going through the um, historical context for the New Testament. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Chelsea. I feel like, not feel like, I know these afterthoughts are definitely going to have the longest show notes of any afterthought. <laughs> Usually I just say, hey, these are the after- these are Juan's afterthoughts on the last episode. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I was about to have links and all this stuff. I'm going to have to uh, follow up with you after we finish the recording to make sure I get all these resources. Oh, yeah, I'll send them to you. Cool. But, okay. So, yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. You're um, welcome. I have a few other questions that okay. I'll save, you know, for sidebar. Uh, but I guess in honor of the conversation that we had today, would you mind praying us out? Yeah, yeah, of course. Cool. Thank you. Lord God, thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much for being our God, for um, being so present with us, even in our questions, even in our wrestling you are so faithful and you are so gracious and um, you are faithful to pour out your wisdom um, when we seek your face. Um, And I am so grateful 
so Lord, I pray that um, as we ponder and marinate and soak in the conversation that just happened, that you continue to pour out your wisdom and give us understanding by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Um, thank you for being patient with us and for never leaving us and forsake or forsaking us um, on this journey towards um, deeper understanding in you as we continue to discover all of the spiritual blessings and the heavenly inheritance that you have for us, your children. Um, it is certainly a lifelong journey and we thank you for um, being our help along the way. So Lord, bless this show, bless wine. Thank you for um, what you are doing through him and um, using him to speak to your people um, and bless the listeners, Lord, with peace and grace. And we thank you for being God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you. That's the end of that conversation. Usually this is the point where I say, so there you have it, folks. But it doesn't seem like that's this is going to be the last conversation that I have with Chelsea. As a matter of fact, I definitely want to have her with us as often as possible just to give her input on pretty much anything we talk about on this show. I think she brings a lot, just a, a, a great, just a, a great voice, a great mind to have in the room when you're talking about the gospel and social justice so this is not the end of her time here but that is it for this edition of saved and woke afterthoughts if you like what you heard please, please subscribe and leave us a five star rating and a review and please share with me your thoughts on our conversation on instagram in my dms or via facebook messenger and as always till next time keep the faith and stay woke